Hi, my name is Dan Hogue, and I love music. In fact, you could say that music is my radar. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Music Is My Radar, a podcast for music lovers near and far. Well, can you believe it? We're at day 29 already of the 30 Day Song Challenge, and today's prompt is a fun one, in my opinion. A song that you remember from your childhood. Boy, there are plenty of those that formed me or shaped me musically growing up. I can think of two particular songs in 1990, when I was six years old, that played a pretty formative role in my music growth, whether I knew it or not at the time. One of them I'll talk about at honorable mentions, but the one I'll highlight is that classic song, that epic song, shall I say, by Faith No More, called, well, Epic. First off, allow me to get a lame joke out of the way. Well, that song is so epic, you couldn't think of a better title for it than epic. <laughs> Whatever. As you could tell, Faith No More were pretty influential in the early rap metal scene. They started out in the mid-1980s, around the same time as the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but they had a different lead vocalist, one Mark Mosley, a guy I've only heard in a couple songs, primarily We Care A Lot. He didn't really have all that much personality. By 1989, he was out of the group, replaced by someone 10 years younger than him, the venerable Mike Patton. I've said before, but I'm the youngest of three boys, so I heard quite a bit of what my older brothers were listening to musically growing up, and I'm pretty sure one or both of them were all over this song the year it came out, 1990, because I remember it pretty vividly. As a five, six-year-old kid still listening to Raffi, I consider this song one of the first ones I knew about in the adult world. And it just hit me pretty good. I couldn't explain it at the time, and maybe I still can't explain it now. Especially since when the rap metal genre really took off by the end of the 90s and into the 2000s, I had no use for that at all. I was in junior high, high school at the time, and I pretty much associated that stuff with, oh, the kids who like this song are 
jerks to me or, oh, they're popular. That's kind of how I felt about a lot of the music back in the late 90s especially. No Corn for Me, no Limp Bizkit, and no Linkin Park. Speaking of whom, I think this song does predict a lot of Linkin Park's career, except that Mike Patton pulls off both parts equally, whereas with Linkin Park, of course, Mike Shinoda was the rapper and the late Chester Bennington provided the vocals. So How Can I Hold Epic Up is one of my all-time favorite songs, yet have no use for in the end. I could be glib and quick and say, after Epic, I didn't need any other rap metal type songs because that one was just so perfect. But I'll try and dig a little deeper. So the rapping itself on Epic is probably not too impressive, technically. I've heard a lot of jokes about early rap or people trying to rap. It ended up sounding like dad rap. My name is Dan H, and I'm here to say I love Fruity Pebbles in a major way. But having not been a huge rap fan for all of my life, it's not a minus for me. I mean, heck, I remember doing a project on Christopher Columbus in ninth grade with a group, and I ended up doing a pretty long and involved rap about his life and his travel to America. And it was about as dad rap as it got. I think the first line was, Yo, 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 my name's Chris C. I'm the coolest explorer in history. Yeah, I hope that crap never gets to YouTube. Because it was a thing. But back to Epic. I'll take Mike Patton's totally unique voice stylings over that of Chester Bennington, who... Maybe it's not fair for me to call him emo or whiny, but... To my ears, he always sounded like that. No offense if any of you out there were big into Linkin Park in your teenage years or still are. It's just my opinion. I never knew for sure what the song exactly was about. There was talking about, you know, you want it all, you can't have it. Even in the bridge. They never say what it really is. And when I got back into the song in my teenage years, I thought, hmm, is this yet another song about jacking off? I mean, you can't have it. It's in your face. It's a lie, a sin, a bitter pain. It's a shame. You can kind of see it, even though I haven't heard about anyone agreeing with my interpretation. Maybe my poor mind needs to get out of the gutter. Musically, it's much more metal than rap. Maybe a little bit funk, because that was another one of Faith No More's genres. It's also multi-sectioned. Most of the instruments drop out during the verse, where Mike Patton raps over it. It's metal in the chorus, and almost a little bit industrial in the what is it part. But the chorus melody is still on the pop side, enough to give it radio potential, which it then lived up to actually hit number 9 in the top 10. Pretty amazing feat, even back then. And the kicker is at the very end, where it fades out, and what fades in is this cool little piano part that totally feels earned after the five-minute running time. Brings it all together quite beautifully. You could say it's a little bit of a ripoff of Layla, except the piano part flows in better, whereas Layla, it was a separate piano part tacked on to the end. I'm certainly not saying one is better than the other. Just that, similar but different, in my estimation. 
Another big factor in the song's success would have to be its music video with Mike Patton wearing a Mr. Bungle t-shirt, dancing and singing menacingly in the rain. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the very end of the video with the fish flopping around out of water, how that caused a lot of controversy, and the urban legend that Bjork, who was then in the Sugar Cubes, landed the fish to the band and knowing that the band wouldn't hurt it. To me, what I remember the most is the guy playing the piano part. I'm guessing that's Roddy Bottom, the keyboard player. He's playing it, then he walks away, and the piano explodes. Kaboom! I've actually seen an edit where the piano explodes while Roddy's still on it. I don't know if that was a mistake or if they're trying to edit something out. But yeah, all that together, video and song, make for one pretty unforgettable experience from six years old on to today. Now, I haven't yet listened to the parent album, The Real Thing. I did hear the follow-up single, Falling to Pieces, and I dismissed it. I thought it was way too close to Linkin Park in subject material, even kind of sound. But I have heard the follow-up album, Angel Dust, that didn't really do all that much commercially here in America, even though it sold like crazy overseas. And a lot of the songs on there are kind of a distillation, a progression of the styles and epic. Maybe a little more mature, a little more progressive. But the album also has its diverse moments. It's a pretty solid listen. I would recommend it for sure. And that's the extent of my knowledge of Faith No More. I know they had one or two albums after that. Then they split. But then they reunited in 2010, I want to say. I don't know if they made any new albums or if it was just touring only. I'll have to check that out sometime. Now, on to honorable mentions. Here's where I mentioned that other song from 1990 that had a pretty profound effect on me. Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. I guess that and this song would be 1A and 1B in songs that really formed me as a six-year-old. And just like Epic, Enjoy the Silence also reached the top ten an unlikely feat for that band. I think if I really rack my brain, I can come up with about five or ten more. But instead, that'll about wrap up today's episode of Music Is My Radar. Join me again tomorrow for day 30 of that 30-day song challenge. Thank you all so much for listening, and have an epic day. Music Is My Radar is a podcast centered around music commentary and reviews. As such, all of the rights of the music samples provided in each episode remain property of their respective copyright holders.